you. Great to be worshiping with you today. And uh, just fired up to be closing down this series. It's called Firm Foundations. Firm Foundations. And we've been walking through over the last five weeks, this being the sixth week now, on what it means to have a church on fire. How do we go after doing that? What does Scripture have to say about what it needs to look like here in this place? What things should we be valuing? How should we be living our life, right? So if you remember back, we talked first about the word, the power of the word. We proclaim the authority of God's word without apology. That is first and foremost. Every week when I stand up, we're going to be walking through some portion of God's word, making sure we understand exactly what he has to say. We will proclaim what God once said. And all of God's people said... That is our number one. We will proclaim his word. But I'm telling you, his word does not just lead us to some kind of rote actions, some sort of legalistic endeavors, just step out and try to look like it's not. Everybody say not that. No, it calls us to worship. And so the second one, lift high the name of Jesus in worship. May we make much of the fame of the name of Jesus Christ, him glorified. Power in the word, power in the worship. And then we believe firmly in the power of prayer, regularly coming to our Lord with God. Here's what's going on, and we're trusting you. We lay this before you. What do you want done? Lord, we long to see your will accomplished, right? Not my will be done, but your will be done. And, and so we come before him regularly and crying out that he might get all the glory and uh, laying it in his hands. And then fourth is sharing boldly of our faith in Jesus Christ making sure that we grasp what it means to be real with others about what Christ is doing in you. If you've been walking through the first three, the word and worship and prayer and laying your life before your God, he starts changing you and transforming you. Holy Spirit's glory pouring into you. Man, I'm just telling you that fills you up and it starts spilling over to the streets. That's power evangelism. It's you being rocked by Jesus Christ so that you can then share with others the greatness of Jesus Christ, okay? Those are the first four. And then the fifth and sixth ones together have been uncommon community. What does it look like for us to do some life in one another's? One another's and getting together on that. Uh, the first one that we were walking through last week was about drawing near. As we draw near together corporately, right? Don't miss the gathering together of the church. The power of what God does in this place. We talked all about it. If you missed that sermon, catch it last week. But I'm telling you, man, God moves in the rallying of his body coming together. And all of God's people said, right? And we have a privilege as we rally and draw together to be able to draw near to the holy God of the universe. Praise God. Man, may we not miss that privilege, right? Last week was drawn near, and this week the second part of Uncommon Community is care passionately, care passionately, to take care of one another throughout our ups and our downs. May God get all the glory, all right? Uh, uncommon Community, care passionately. So turn with me, if you will, to Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Galatians 6, starting in verse 1. And today we're going to look at what it means and what it looks like to reach out and care for those around us. I'm just telling you right now what scripture has to say about what it looks like um, the world isn't really a fan of. The world doesn't really like that vision of care. And so as we walk through it today, note this is God's view 
of a church on fire, of people caring for one another. May God get all the glory as we walk through this, all right? Here we go. So point number one, love like God. Address sin in one another. Love like God, address sin in one another. And God takes sin seriously. Jesus Christ died and he rose. It wasn't because he was like, ah, who cares about sin? I just thought I would, right? It's super important that we understand how real our God is about sin. And he loves us in the midst of it and he calls us through it and he's got a plan for it. And so, man, may we hear the love of God addressing the brokenness in me and may we get real about that with one another. Here we go. Starts out in verse 1 of chapter 6, Galatians. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. He starts out here, brothers. Right? So that means he's talking to people who are saved. Everybody say saved. Right? That's what we're talking about here. So he's talking to saved people about working with other saved people, right? It's, it's important we grasp that distinction. It's not our job to run around in the world trying to tell the world that they're sinning. It's our job to make sure we let the world know who Jesus Christ is and call him to a gospel message and hope in him. And for those of us who are saved and know him, then there's this call to the Holy Spirit wants to do some serious transforming work. Let's get on it together, right? So he says, brothers, if anyone... How many? Anyone. Don't miss that. If anyone is caught in any transgression. In what kind of transgression? Any. Right? And uh, if anyone is caught in any transgression, let's make sure we understand this phrase. The phrase caught there is like a racing term in the original language. It's like you were running a race and sin was behind you running. And as you're running, it's catching up and it actually overtakes you. It's winning the race. That's what's being told here, right? If you're seeing someone who's beginning to lose the battle on sin, so it's not if you saw someone make a mistake one time in one place and that was it. It's not if you saw them sin in one way, one spot, you've never seen it before and they seem to get it together and they seem to be walking on. It's not go get into that. It's are you seeing them lose the battle? Are they losing the race? Is this becoming at some levels harmful, habitual? It's eating them alive. That's what he's talking about. If anyone is caught in any transgression and any kind of sin that begins to eat them up where they're making much of the feel good, look good, or show me off plan and they're stuck in it and it's eating them up. You who are spiritual. So this is for those who are mature in their walk with Christ. Those who have been around the bend a couple times. Those who have wrestled with what it means to follow Jesus Christ. They're grasping it and you're beginning to grow in it. The Holy Spirit is changing you. Doesn't mean perfect. Everybody say not perfect. Okay, mature doesn't mean perfect, but it does mean you're beginning to grasp who Christ is and you're getting real with him and the Holy Spirit's changing you and you're seeing some victory along the way. There's some level of maturity in it that probably does mean at some level there's been a little bit of season to it. You've been around for a while in being saved, but you also have seen some successes and growth along the way. There's fruit in your life. And if that's you, then this passage is talking directly to you. And if that's not you, 
then this passage is actually challenging for a let's come along and head towards that. May we aspire to have the Holy Spirit growing us, shaping us, and changing us, right? As we confront a sin in someone's life, that's exactly what's happening. They're coming along in their maturity. So one way or another, this passage is for us. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Please note it does not say should scold him with a wagging finger. Right? Everybody say it doesn't say that. And, uh, but right, think about it. How, how do we usually handle sin? We're like, I can't believe that they just did that. Usually we're most aware of it when they did it to us, right? I can't believe they just did that to me. Right? And we get a little bent on it. We think about it. We mull on it. We go home. We get a little bit more upset by it. Maybe we were really out of control. We start talking about it with other people. Can you believe this guy at work, this person at church, this person said they did this to me. Maybe you're even sharing their name out. So-and-so did this. We start jamming them behind their back, right? We get really good at that, right? We're going to talk about them behind their back, and then we never actually say anything to them until it happens, and it happens, and it happens, and finally we've had enough, and then we just lose it, and we cap off. We're like, hey, that's enough, Right? And really, all we're doing is getting defensive in the midst. Please note, this is not the purpose of defending ourselves. This is the purpose of restoring them. Okay? Really important that we grasp this. This is spiritual individual, a mature individual with a passion to see restoration. You care about them and you long for their best. And so you're willing to wade in, not just when you've had enough, but because you're seeing it hurt them or hurt family and you're longing for them to come along in their walk with Christ. Sin is caught up to them. Sin has overtaken them. And you're coming alongside to see some restoring. Just so you know, this word restore, it's kind of a doctor's term. It would mean to mend, like to mend a bone, like to fix a bone, set a bone so that it could heal again or to mend a net if you were a fisherman, right? It had to do with this mending together, this recovering in that way. From a doctor's perspective, it's a great way to use the analogy, right? Because you think about it as a doctor, somebody breaks a bone, you can set it, which means you line it up and then you're kind of done. And now you're like, now I'm letting God take over, right? Jesus Christ, he is the sustainer of this physical world. You know that, right? And so our bodies work the way they work consistently because of the presence of God Almighty. And even a physical physician, as he physically sets the bone, still goes, and now it's Jesus' work going on. Now it's the healing of the body taking over, and it's the sustainer providing in. And, and the role of us as restorer is a little bit of getting things lined up, and then we're letting God take over. Ready? And all of God's people said really important. We get that. Because a lot of times when we decide we're going to confront somebody on their sin, then we're like, all right, that's it. They're going to hear a piece of my mind, and I'm going to fix them. Right? Do you hear it? Like, I'm going to take control. They need to hear from me. Right? This is not the plan. It isn't try to wade in with your force and effort, and you personally try to shift their behavior. Just so you know, all you're going to get out of that is a little bit of behavior modification at best and a lot of fighting at worst, right? That's a terrible plan. But it's coming alongside, helping to set the bone, 
get things lined up appropriately, that God might get all the glory as he begins to do a work. And it says, with a spirit of gentleness, careful, careful in your tone, careful in the words you say, recognize that you as well have sin in your life and you're coming alongside because you love them, because you care for them. And this is an art. It needs to be practiced well. It needs to be practiced in the home and with friends, in impact groups, as we come alongside gently caring for others, longing for them to be restored, that God might get the glory. Just so you know, that's the goal in large measure of impact groups, is rallying together and partnering together, holding some level of accountability and application as we restore one another, as we pray for one another, as we gently care for one another and watch God do a huge work. And may God get all the glory, right? And a gentle restoration. I'll just say this, five earmarks of biblical restoration. Five earmarks of biblical restoration. Number one, it is Christ-centered, not sin-centered. Christ-centered, not sin-centered. This is who Jesus is, and because of that, call to action, right? If we're going to help line up the broken bone, Christ is going to have to be in the middle of that conversation. Who is our God? Christ-centered, not sin-centered. Don't just be all about the action talk. Who is your God? So that's number one in the earmarks. Christ-centered, not sin-centered. And uh, we'll just play off of that a little bit. Number two then, uh, biblical restoration has conviction, not shame. Conviction, not shame. Do you know the difference? Conviction. That's like, I'm helping you see the sin, but I'm bringing hope with it. Hope in the midst. Do you see what your God has in store? Look what he can do with you. Man, God's got a plan for you to restore and transform that soul to begin to see some growth. I'm telling you, imagine what this is going to look like when this sin is in your rearview mirror. Conviction. God with you. And God's got a plan in this. There's hope with conviction. Shame. What are you doing? We leave them with the weight of the sin and no hope out of it. Shame. Be really careful, man. Conviction, not shame. Number three, compassion is what's stirring you, not your comfort. Compassion for them, not your own personal comfort. Compassion, not your comfort. That's your motivation. You long for them to have a better day, a better worship. You long for them to get this behind them. Compassion, not your comfort. I just long for you to get it out of my face, right? And be careful with that. And uh, number four, gentleness, not harshness. Tone of voice, super important. Word choice, super important. Pace, Super important. As you sit down, it's not, look, I got three minutes and I got to make this clear and then I got to get out of here, but I'm going to tell you a little bit of the sin problems you got going on. You ready? Everybody say, not that. Take a little bit of time. You love them. You care for them. uh, Christ-centered, conviction-based, compassionate, gentle. And then number five, assistance, not control. Assistance, not control. So I'm just going to say this now as we put these all together. There are some in this room who are like, 
I don't know if I could ever do this. This sounds horrible, and I don't want to approach anybody about anything they're doing wrong, okay? And then there's the other side of the room that's like, let me at them. I'll tell anybody, anywhere, what they have to fix. Let's go. And uh, can we just say both of those extremes, bad plan, okay? It's get to the middle on it. There's a patience and a gentleness. There's a temperance in it. Man, are you approaching somebody and you are slamming them? That's not this passage. Don't quote this passage and say you're trying to do God's work. The Holy Spirit does a work of gentleness. He hears in the midst. He's bringing hope along the way. Are you jamming someone with the shame of a sin? Please stop. Please stop right now. That is not this passage to be executed, okay? Other side of the fence. Are you just letting them sin away and be destroyed? Please stop. Get engaged. Have some compassion and love them. Call them along the way. There is an art to this and getting to the middle on it and learning over time and practicing well. And you might have to apologize at some point for something that came off the wrong way, but you care. Caring people engage. And all of God's people said. Okay, pretty serious here. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Then he says, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Keep watch lest you too be tempted. He's like, watch out. You might fall. Now, this could mean you might fall into the very same sin. I mean, the reality is if you keep talking to somebody about their sin, it gets on your mind and you might start thinking and reasoning it through and all of a sudden you're starting to think that way. And the heaviness of the sin or the enticement of the sin might start drawing you in. That's a little bit of what he's talking about here, but that's not most of what he's talking about here. Here's most of what he's talking about. All right, that person needs a little bit of thought on this. It's getting them. The sin's eating them up. They need me. That's what he's talking about. Watch the pride. Like, I've got my act together and, right? We all have our blind spots and we all have our things. Be careful that pride is set down. He's like, as you begin to engage, watch out. It could stir your pride. Be careful, okay? What a sweet call to get real on sin. Now, can we just be super clear? The world can't stand this thought, right? The world's battle cry. Let everybody do what they want. God's battle cry. Man, don't let another brother or sister get eaten up on sin. Care. Let's wade in together. Ready? And all of God's people set. All right. So, you know, uh, Mike was pointing out it's, it's December, man. It's Christmas. It's time. It's time to be unveiling those things in your house you put up to be celebrating Christmas, right? Whatever that looks like for you. For most of us, we end up with some kind of a masterpiece of a tree that we put together, and whatever that is, either it's this really old school, long-term purchased plastic tree that you swear has so much memory and value to you, so you keep putting that up. That's our home. We have a 25-year-old tree. Two branches fell off this year. We're taping them on. I wish I was joking, that really happened. So yeah. And some of you are like, no, we buy fresh every year. I love the smell. I've had three brain surgeries. I can't smell anything. The plastic tree stays. That's where we are. All right? So the reality, upsides and downsides, you know? And uh, 
So we got the tree in the house, and, and we're going after the decoration, right? What's the first thing you do when you set this tree up? You're like, that's it, man. We're going to make this bad boy look great. You pull the lights out. You start untangling them. What's the first thing you do? Plug those bad boys in. What's going on? And you plug it in, and the whole thing lights up. No, that never happens. <laughs> never, never, right? You plug it in, and like one of the bulbs is out. Did you buy one of the high-end ones? where a single bulb can go out and everything else stays lit. We don't. So you plug it in. <laughs> Half of it goes out, right? Half is gone. And now you're over there like flicking every little light, right? And you're trying to twist every little light and get that. Th and you, then it goes on. You're like, got it. You walk away. It goes off. <laughs> right? And you start playing with them. You have to figure out what's happening. We've ended up last year. I just went and bought like four strands. I'm done. I'm buying extras. We got two or three here. We got two extras. We got extras all up. Now we're ready to go. This year we ended up throwing one out. We're like, we're done. That one gave us half. Get the new one in. We're, st we're stacking them together and putting together these lights so that everything is lit. And I'm telling you, the masterpiece is finished when you step back and you can see this pretty tree up and the lights are around it. Everything is going and lit and you can sit down and relax with the lighting down and the Christmas lights up and you begin to get a feel for this season. Man, I'm just telling you, God's like, you're my masterpiece. And we're putting lights on, man. And some of them are out. And some of them need to be repaired. And we might even be doing some monstrous transforming along the way and getting rid of some and putting new in. You are my masterpiece. And you are going to shine the light of Jesus Christ. Get ready. Man, the sin going out is fixing a light here. It's pulling a strand there. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. wait in. Help check the lights. Be a part of the walk with others. May God get all the glory as we shine for him in this broken world. Okay? Get ready to love by addressing sin. That's number one. Number two. Love like God, bear with one another. Love like God, bear with one another. Bear the burdens of one another along the way here. And he starts out in verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let's just hold right there. Bear one another's burdens. The word bear means to help carry to literally come alongside and part of their burden becomes your load. That's what it means. To bear. To bear doesn't mean you talk about it with them and then walk away and leave them with it. It means you help them with it. Now, if all they needed was some thought or advice along the way, that's great. But usually it means more than that because I'll just tell you right now, it says bear one another's burdens. This word in the original language is a very specific word. It's a word that means load, but it emphasizes the weightiness, the massiveness. He's like, bear with others who are going through something massive. That's the implication here. I really think it almost loses it by the word burden, right? It almost gets kind of church eased, and we start making it sound like every problem. That's not what it means. It means when you see something, someone going through something that is monstrously weighty, it is massive in their life. There's no way they could carry that alone. Man, don't let them struggle with it alone. Come alongside. That's what it means. To bear with one another in the weighty issues of another's life. 
Hang on to that. We're going to look at the other side of that in verse 5. But it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill, fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love others. He's like, I'm just telling you the law of Christ is fulfilled as you're loving your Lord. Your eyes are wide open and you're loving those around you who are going through a weighty situation. Man, do you know somebody that's going through something massive in this season? Heavy. Really think about it. Somebody in your family, somebody in your friendship crew, somebody in this church, in your impact group, whatever, at work. Maybe there's something that's going on in their life where you could help lighten the load a bit. Maybe you're going through something heavy and you need some help on it. Hang on, we're going to talk about that more in verse 5. But man, if you do, let us know. Make sure you're putting prayer requests down in the church register. Make sure you're talking to another. Don't ask for people to read minds. Make sure you share out. Man, may we carry the burden along the way. It says that we may fulfill the law of Christ, that love is on full display. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Well, yeah, there is that, right? I mean, that's a pretty blunt moment. He's like, if you think you're something and you're nothing, man, is that deceiving yourself. Do you know anybody like that? Where they're walking around and they're like, I am so awesome. And you're like, not, not really. <laughs> I mean, and you, there's people who truly think they've got it all together. And uh, Paul, being really clear as he writes this, man, are you thinking you're all that when you're really not? Now, stay in context, what's he talking about? He's talking about people who are hurting and people who are maybe helping those who are hurting. He's talking about if you become a load bearer, if you're caring for others, don't start walking around going, I must be awesome. Do you see how many people I'm helping? It's all me. I'm phenomenal. He's like, don't get there. It's the same statement as keep watch over yourself that you don't get tempted. Careful, man. You're being able to wade in because you love, not because you're all that, right? May God get all the glory. And he's like, man, be careful, be humble. He says, if you think you're something when you're nothing, will you deceive yourself? Man, we're just bone setters. God is the actual healer and transformer. May God get all the glory. He says, but let each one of you test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself. This is a bit of a complex verse, and you have to know some of the original language for it to make sense. Um, this is where it might help to read various translations and not just the ESV, but he says here, uh, but let each one test his own work. Like, man, check what you're doing and check your motive in your heart. Make sure you know what's going on in your life. Do some inventory. How are you doing with sin? Are you breaking down? Where's your arrogance levels? Are you worshiping your God? Do a little bit of inventory check. How are you doing with your God. Greater, no greater time to do that than at Christmas, right? As you're walking through this season of being able to say, Lord, I just want to worship you. May I not get all hung up in me, right? He says, and then his reason to boast will be in himself. That word boast there is not the word you think it is, right? When we say the word boast in the English today, it has a huge negative connotation. It means like bragging, like wrongly talking about yourself prolifically, right? That's what it means to us today. It's a guy who walks around and he's like, I am awesome, right? It's the kind of guy where you're like, I got to go in another room, right? 
You just kind of need to get away from it. That's not this word. This word here means to properly speak to or address what is true in your life. That's what this word is. It's talking to the truth going on. He's like, man, make sure that you're taking a stand with your God and you're worshiping your God and you're hanging on the truth of what he's doing in your life. Make sure you're hanging on the reality. And if you are being a grower and a maturer in Christ, things are happening in your life, praise God for that. We know we still have a journey to go. Man, ask any mature believer, how are you doing with sin? They're always going to say the same one. Man, it's a journey. I'm making some progress. God's healing in some ways. There's more to go. And the more mature you get, the more real you get about who your God is, how holy he is, and how much stuff needs to go in your life. Right, ready? And all of God's people said. And uh, man, he's like, be careful. Make sure you're properly speaking to what's going on in your life and you're rightly seeing the fruit of God at work. That's what that word means. Because your hope then will be in yourself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. There it is in verse 5. Now let's go back to verse 2 for a second. Bear one another's burdens. Verse 5. For each will have to bear his own load. Which is it? Those sound like they're exact opposites, right? And that's why I said the word matters. In verse 2, it's bear that weighty, heavy, almost ready, unbearable Right? It breaks them. It's so huge. They need help. They can't do it alone. That's verse 2. Verse 5. For each will have to bear his own load, your backpack. Each is going to have to put his own pack on and carry that. You have your daily responsibilities. But when it gets too heavy and too weighty, may we partner together and care for one another in it. Okay? And so here's the art of it. Are you ready? Get good at carrying your backpack. You have your responsibility. And carry that well. But have your eyes peeled for people who the load has gone well beyond the backpack on their back. It's a burden they can't ever carry. And get ready to come alongside and do some extra level of care with them. That's putting it all together. We do have personal responsibility. And again, we have some in the room here who are like, I'll let anybody carry anything of mine. And then we have others in here who are like, I don't want anybody ever carrying anything of mine ever. I'm fine. And may it not be either of those extremes, right? And just so you know, about a third of the audience right now glanced at each other and went, I know which one you are. (laughs) We know who we are and we know which way we go. You're either leaning in too much or you're not leaning in enough. You've either got it all yourself or you want somebody else to help care. Carry your load but be ready to carry with others along the way. And all of God's people said, okay, balance in the midst. You know, this past week was quite the bizarre week. We had the tornadoes flying through last night, right? All over the place there. At the beginning of the week, they said it was the first declared blizzard in November in central Illinois. Did you know that? They declare a blizzard based on the number of inches of snow and the miles per hour of wind. When you mix those two together, it's a declared blizzard. And this was the first blizzard warning as early as we had it there in November, back last week on Sunday, Monday. And so we had it rolling in Sunday night. We actually had a great 4.30 service, uh, you know, for the weather that was out. And some of what they were saying was potentially coming. We had several hundred people here, praise God for that, went through that. They got home, got safe, and probably, 
I don't know, an hour after the service was closed, by 7, 7.30, it was starting to come down pretty good, and it went after it, depending on where you were at, up to four to six inches of snow in some areas, over where we were at on the east side in Morton there, it was more like an inch and a half to two inches, but half of that was like the heaviest slush you've ever seen, you know? And so I got out the next morning. We had a group of guys coming in this week uh, to be trained. We're a part of the Great Commission Collective. We're hooked in with like 100 other churches. And so we were doing some training on preaching this week. And we had three pastors, myself and a couple other guys that were teaching this week on that. And had like 22 come in for it. So I had to get ready, get over here with Pastor Steve to get the things ready to rock in the morning. So I got up at 6 and got out there to go shovel and and get over here and and, uh, went out and, you know, you're... I didn't even check the snow thrower yet. It's still early November, you know. I went out, pick up the gas can, <laughs> empty. Great. So I go over and I'm like, maybe I left some gas in it last year. I checked, nope, bone dry, ran it down, got it all ready and prepped for the winter. And so now I got nothing. So I go over, I pick up the shovel. And I get out there and I'm like, oh, all right, maybe I'm done, you know. <laughs> And I start to go, and I get like four or five scoops done, and John is waiting inside to hear the blower start up, doesn't hear it. She comes and opens the door, and she's like, hey, are you going to, what are you doing? And I'm like, there's no gas. We're out of gas, and the snow thrower is empty, and it's time to shovel. So I'm shoveling. She's like, all right, I'll change my plans. I'll come out with you. As she's looking at me, already kind of turning three shades of pale as I've shoveled like four shovels. So I ended up like slicing the driveway into segments, you know, and you're shoveling the segments because if you try to shovel across the whole thing, that weight will break your back. So we're cutting it into pieces and now we're shoveling the little pieces out and everybody's got their piece, right? She's shoveling hers, I'm shoveling mine, we're working together and we got the whole thing done. We finished up, I'm like, I got to go in, I got to shower, I got to get over there, we got guys coming. So I'm running in to go shower and um, no hot water. So yeah, the hot water heater went out Sunday. It was on its own way on a fade. Praise God, though. Jonna working with somebody. We had a friend here who was super helpful as well, and we had got that all fixed on Monday. I had uh, a very icy 30-second shower and got over here looking fine, I'm sure. And, uh, but uh, you know what? Bottom line, there was no way that driveway was getting done by me alone. It wasn't happening. It became a team thing, and the two of us got it done together, kind of laughing about it, kind of joking about it, kind of whining about it once or twice, got it done, right? And afterwards, the next two, three, four days, you know, as your driveway is not the sheet of ice and it's actually a safe, uh, kind of melted in the rest of the sun and you're happy you went through that. And there was no way that was getting done alone. The whole thing got managed with me and John, me and John and a friend helping partner with on the hot water heater thing and all of us getting this stuff managed that day. The load got bigger than we could bear alone. It became team. Make sure you're keeping your eyes peeled for whose load is getting too weighty. What does it look like to wade in? What does it look like to partner with that? So I'm just going to ask it really directly, man. Do you know a family member, a friend, coworker, or somebody in church where something's breaking their back and it's time for you to say, how can I help out? And let's get real on this. Let's wade into this in this season. Make sure you've got something you're going after this week. No way does God send us through a whole week where there's not somebody that we can't come alongside a little bit. What's that look like? And if you're like, I got nothing, man. I'm tapped. I mean, seriously, I got nothing. Like, know this. We got Giving Tree. What, there's 50-some people left out of 350. We have 50 kids left who need to be cared for. 
rally on that and jump on that. Let's get that covered. And man, get after that today or tomorrow. Let's get the gifts in before Wednesday so Steve's not sweating it, right? Let's get those in so that we're ready to rock because we got kids showing up on Saturday and we're going to make sure that we're getting them and their lives and their load a little bit cared for. And all of God's people said, find what God's calling you to and get after it with all you've got, all right? So yeah, it's getting real on sin. Yeah, it's bearing well in the midst. And then number three, love like God. Do good to one another. Love like God. Do good to one another. And it says, let the one who is taught the word Share all good things with the one who teaches. This is Paul writing to the church at Galatia. This was an era where the church was just getting started. They were trying to figure out how to do it. And there were guys that were teaching and trying to make disciples. And there were other people who were going, thanks for the teach. And then those guys are like, how do I survive? And they're trying to figure out life. There wasn't this thing that was a little more organized and structured. And there wasn't a paid pastoral staff in that moment. And he's like, get there with that. Make sure you're covering your people. And man, I just want to say this. This church so understands what it means to partner with in prayer, to partner with in care. You guys are so giving and so loving along the way. It is a privilege and an honor to be teaching into this church. I love being with you guys, all of us as a pastoral staff, the privilege of being here with and on board with is huge. And Paul was like to the church of Galatia, let's create a church that understands and appreciates discipleship and grasps the load that's going on. Care for those who are teaching, care for the pastors along the way. And he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, he will also reap. He's like, man, if you're holding back just because you're trying to make it for you, Trust me, man, that's not going to go well. He's like, don't, don't get all self-absorbed. No greater moment to talk about this than coming into the Christmas season, right? Let's not just stack up to self. Let's take a look around at who we can reach out to and how we can reach out and what it even looks like to give into a hurt or a need that God might get all the glory. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, they will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Reap corruption. That is a graphic statement, right? If you sow to the flesh, meaning if you wake up in the morning and you're like, what can I do that will show me off? What can I do that will just feel great for me today? What can I do that's going to look good? If it's all about you, If it feeds the selfishness of you inside, be careful, man. Feeding that beast, he says, will reap corruption. It doesn't go well. For us to walk the journey of a day in selfishness is not being a light in this world as God has called us to be. He's like, man, let's get after it and let's share it with all we've got. He's like, for the one who sows to his own flesh will reap reap from the flesh corruption but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. As we start pouring in where the Holy Spirit's pouring in, His glory starts transforming. He starts waking us up to things. He starts giving us a smile in the midst of a heavy load. He starts revealing to us people that are hurting and people that are in need. Man, I'm telling you, you can literally be rocked for Jesus Christ. 
and the load's pretty big. Like those two aren't opposite. Heavy load just means heavy load. Are you worshiping Jesus Christ in the midst? Are you coming alongside others and helping them in the midst? May God get all the glory. Man, let the Spirit pour into you. Make this about a Holy Spirit, Christ-honoring walk. Not, I'm going to make much of my name. Everybody say, not that. I'm going to make much of Jesus Christ. I long for somebody to be a little better off with Christ because of this. May God get all the glory. He says, so then, by the way, just so you know, that's a lot like therefore. So then, it's a connecting word. He's like, because of all this, here's what we're going for. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Uh, To how many? Yeah, let's say that one more time and a little louder. To how many? To everyone. Notice it does not say, let us do good to those we like. It doesn't say that. Let us do good to those that we don't think are complete morons. It doesn't say that. Dude, that's how we start living life. We read these passages and we're like, amen. And we churchify it. And then we go home and they're like, what is with that guy? And we lose the whole thing. This is saying to everyone, make sure we're getting some care in place that begins to reach out. Notice what it says, though. So as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And especially to those saved, especially to those in your impact group, especially to those who are trusting Christ as Savior. Man, this church needs to be on fire with caring for one another. And this church needs to be on fire with caring beyond our church walls. That's what the giving tree is all about. It isn't just about caring inside this place. It's also about bringing it out to the community. May God get the glory. May we love like he loves. May we give like he gives. May we care like he cares. May we long to see restoration like he longs to see restoration. And as we walk into this Christmas season, caring for one another, Lord, open my eyes to what I need to know and who I need to be. Who needs just a little encouragement, pick me up, word? Who has a problem in their life that needs so much more picked up? Lord, help me to be gentle and wise in how I even go after that. Remember coming in and saying, all right, I have everything. You're in need. You need me. Belittles. So you're coming alongside with a care and a tenderness that helps to lift them up. Your goal is to help them to be able to carry as much of it as is rightly appropriate. Everybody hearing that? You're helping them to carry their backpack. But when it's beyond that, then we jump in and we're there to be helping with. And we're letting go and easing up as it's getting back to the normalcy of load. God, we're ready to help and be a part of. Lord, we long to see others cared for. Love like God. None of this happens without worship on fire. Man, as we go after it this week, as we go out from here, your job is simply to say this, Lord, you are good. Lord, you are amazing. Lord, your love is phenomenal. You have poured into my life like unbelievably. I cannot wait 
to be a little bit of a light into a dark and hurting world. May you get the glory. Lord, shape me, teach me of your greatness. I am ready to be motivated, ready, by my worship of you. Rock me with your goodness. Rock me with your love. And Lord, show me how I can care for those around. May I not be an island. And all of God's people said, uncommon community as we care. Let's pray. 